you know what date is. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely Thursday. That's what we're here about. Listen, it's the hello, tour. everybody. The professionals are back. <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing at? He's looking out there laughing. Anyway, it is the 23rd of May, 2019. It is one minute past nine. This is the big kickoff. Take two. Good evening. 23rd May. It's the big kickoff here in Lippy Sounds 96.4. Hello, Roy. Hello. Good evening. Roy, let's make it short and sweet because uh, we're a bit, a bit, bit busy tonight. We are busy tonight. So who have we got coming up in the next few minutes after our first song? Well, we're going to have David Gilligan on. Who, has started who might up, that be? He started up a petition because you know yourself with the schoolboy football. The way Are we going to get gone. somebody grumpy on? Are we going to get somebody? Well, <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be grumpy, but he certainly has a, a point to make. And... About there summer football, been, uh, school by football. Yeah, there's, it's been thrown into doubt. No, there's a lot of questions been not yeah. answered by yeah. school by leagues and FAIs and etc. So get another uh, take. I think David is looking for. Well, he's, he's more questions himself, and there needs yeah. to be more answers. And I do believe there was something put out there only 45 minutes ago. So we'll have a look at that. But Perfect. yeah, it's all about the the winter summer football. Change. And then in the middle, obviously, we'll do a bit of a roundup and stuff and it, things that have interested us over the last week and, and so on two weeks for that matter because yeah. we obviously weren't here last week and then we have our our local uh, rugby correspondent Mr Darren Shields going to come on the line as well. he's going right to have a little chat about basically the season he doesn't talk about everything that happened in Newcastle <laughs> that's what, the only reason I have my uh, no. uh, I have to say great city uh, good crack uh, and, and a pleasant surprise to town because uh, you say oh it's mad out there and you're going god knows what am I going into the wild west it's actually a really pretty town there's plenty around it lovely by the keyside what makes it mad is the people they are bonkers Nuts. They, Jordy Shaw, yeah, give or take. I just picture Newcastle of uh, 11 o'clock, getting close to midnight, <laughs> and you just have to step over bodies all over the place. That's my... But that's the picture I had, but it's a nice town, and maybe we were going down the nice streets and stuff, but I was like, geez, this is a lovely city. I'd almost bring the wife here. What's <laughs> yeah. the start? Next minute, we met a lad straight out of Jordy Shaw, about six foot six, straight off the game, out of the game, off his mallet, and I was like, oh, I'm a bit scared, lads. This guy is nuts. <laughs> but uh, it was brilliant. Great weekend, and obviously, we'll, we'll talk about that in the upcoming Pro 14 game where Leinster are making it to Glasgow. Yep. Geez, the old D4 boys are going to some rough areas, aren't yeah, they? Newcastle they are. and uh, where are we going next? Like Glasgow, Jesus Christ, man! They'll never last in Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> the Glasgow kiss, huh? Okay, we got the levels up. We're going We're for go. the new one from the Riptide movement. It's called "I'll Be There." And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Well, the month of May for all associated with schoolboy football in Dublin has been a long, drawn-out, will-it-won't-it scenario. Summer football or winter football? The latter has been decided on with the DDSL in recent days, with seemingly 70% in favour of winter football. That's September to May. There has been some grumbles about that decision and one man, David Gilligan, has started a petition in opposition to the ruling and he joins us on the line. David, welcome to the big kickoff. Hey, how's it going? Nice to be here. No problem. Listen, David, can you give us a bit of background on what your involvement is in schoolboy football? Uh, I suppose management was only really started about two years ago um, and obviously I'm 31 there now, so I've been playing pretty much since I was 10, 10, 11. So I can only really start to gauge the summer football through experience of coaching the two years and uh, having played then and looking at the kids reaction to it 
So when I was a kid playing, uh, it's it's just a much happier environment to be in and like to start to be involved with and be around. The kids just enjoy it so much more as opposed to us getting dragged out on a wet, wet windy morning, freezing, you know, not knowing if the game is going to be on or off or whatever it is, you know. So just not really too experienced on it, but loved the game, played it my whole life and looking to really kick on with the management now. But this is just something that sort of came out and we said, look, we'll just we'll see what the reaction we get from if we're doing the survey and yeah. it was a massive one. Three years ago, I'd say the majority of coaches, clubs, managers were screaming out for summer football. So you were one of those. Yeah, well, I would have been. Like I say, it's a little bit different sort of senior, but you know, you always remember playing as a kid out on the out on the sidelines or whatever, standing in the rain out on the pitch, whatever. You don't really forget about it. You know, you could ask anyone sort of my age that played it, and the lads that are involved coaching it now. Yeah. They'd be so much happier, even with the setups, the sort of seven aside at elevens, the nine aside at twelves, the lighter footballs. It's just such a better program for kids to be in and around, you know. So you do you feel it's gone it's gone well so far? Uh, yeah, like I really do. Just like I say, from from our club and in our club and all the clubs around the area, and um, the the reaction, you know, like it's it's not without its flaws. You know, you'd be the first one to start to say it. It's not without its flaws, but. To start to kick it back after two years and say it's not working, I think it's just a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Why? Why do you think there was a surge of discontent with summer football? Um, I think a lot of it was to do with the FAI and the fact that it, was, it, it seems to have been forced upon the leagues, as opposed to, as opposed, I'm not going to say as opposed to a choice, whatever. But yeah. it was it was rolled out across the board, and I wouldn't be the biggest advocate of the FAI, but not everything they done was wrong. And I think this is a this is an example of something that they're trying to get right, and they've been fought at every corner, really. To be fair, and right. you're obviously you're not going to be able to keep anyone happy, but I think a lot of people forget that you know it's about the kids at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. So the local leagues ask clubs for their opinion on switching back to winter football, and according to the leagues, seventy percent wanted to move back to a league that aligns itself with the school calendar. Now, you don't believe that there was a proper vote done on this and it was generally probably a general feeling that kind of pushed it through. Is that how you feel? Yeah, well, like I say, I think with all the stuff that went on in the FAI, I think the DDSL, NDSL and a lot of the other leagues sort of said, right, here's our chance. You know, it was forced upon us, we're going back. And the, the results of the, the phantom survey, if you want to call it that, it's 70% or 72 to 28%. The feedback that we've sort of got is nowhere near it. You know, it's 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 somewhat the opposite on, on on social media sites and all the surveys that are posted up on their simple little polls. It's it's a direct sort of swing, and there's a lot more numbers. You know, it's it's it's, it's managers at all levels, not just the highest level, that are in these groups online on Facebook, social media, and um, there's a lot more numbers. And I mean, the feedback that we got today. You'd probably say 20% of that sort of us following it and sending it out for friends. But I don't know the majority of the people that have signed that petition today and the reaction that we're getting is sort of it's a lot more far to keep it the way it is as opposed to changing. And would you think, Dave, would it be kind of potentially servicing bigger clubs' wishes or powerful people's wishes more so than uh, yeah, well, I wouldn't the masses? Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Like I say, I think the the little man that does be forgotten about when these mm. decisions are being made, you know, and I think if you ask, if you ask every coach at every club at any level, I'm sure the survey would be the, would be the direct opposite to what they've got. And I think the only reason why it's been pushed through is because it went that way. And somebody who's not involved with school football like myself, but at the same time kind of know me way around it a little bit. Yeah. I find it's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction this, for this year. Would it not be potentially something to say, like a plan C, and maybe tweak it a little bit and then give it another year and then say, OK, well, we've tried it all? Yeah, this is the thing. This, see, this is the problem. I think they've started to scrap it all too quick. Because it was mm. forced upon them, they were reluctant to even try and make it work. So as soon as started a couple of rumours, it's not working. It's not without its flaws, the calendar football, but the way it's started to structure, it's like... It could be fine-tuned, and I think once the start decreases are ironed over, I yeah. think it'll be be successful for all levels. Yeah. As it is at the minute, you know you've got war under clouds. So we're going from the seven aside, say last year on the eleventh, to a few months 
few games at nine aside, and now we're pumped into under 11, you know, senior sort of size pitch goals the whole lot. Um, and I'm not too sure if, if if it's true with the with the under 18 that you know there's no sort of skill boy league for them. So hmm. all the under 18s now are having to go go to play senior. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've invited the DDSL to join us on the show to give them a chance sort of to quench all doubt about the move to answer questions from club managers and parents that they may have about uh, coming back, but they're yet to reply back to us. So what do you feel the league should have done or maybe still could do? Well, see, the worry would be now that it's it's probably a bit too late. I think the way it's started done there now, it's all been rolled out. And if, if the DDSL wanted to happen, I think it's going to happen, uh, which is the unfortunate thing. I mean, the way that we're sort of looking at, looking at it is it's sort of, you know, Without the kids, you have no managers. Without managers, there's no clubs. Without clubs, there's no league. Yeah. And we're paying them for their service. It's not like it's it's free or whatever like that. We're, we're, we're paying them to provide the service. And I don't think they're listening to to what they say. Certainly the, the lesser of the clubs, if you like. I don't think they're listening to what everyone is trying to say. I think it suits them and they're happy enough to go with it regardless. Yeah. Now, I would have been one of the people who would have been asking for summer football. But when summer football came along, it wasn't the same summer football that we were looking for. So what they basically did was they used the same months but had different starting and finishing dates. Um, I, I firmly believe that four weeks off, two weeks at the end of July and two weeks at the start of August would have been enough of a break in the summer to let people go on their holidays and it's the it's the busiest part of, of the summer holidays yeah. but they they have decided not to do it that way so then the alternative is September to May which I find very strange that they wouldn't include June if even in a winter calendar year because apart from people who are doing their exams no one really goes too far in June because kids are still in school. So yeah, well, see, I'd, I'd, I'd probably say to you there the reason why they're not doing it in June is because they'd be uh, contradicting themselves completely. Uh, mm. I think it was Paddy Dempsey that was saying that you know people go on holidays in June and yeah. it's part of our culture. Yeah, well, you know? well, I think we found over the years though that they've kept it. It's been so tight at the end of May that leagues normally a high percentage of leagues never got finished. Because the, the the fixtures never sort of materialised because of bad weather or what, what or what have you, so I always thought that June should have been included for yeah. for for that reason because you can get the the, the midweek games because you yeah. can do Absolutely. that. Like, I, I I think the way it is with with the break that they've put in, they've sort of kept it like you said exactly the same and. The two week break at one period and two week break at another period absolutely it worked. Like the, the the break we had last year was far too big. So what they're trying to say is that people are holidaying on exams and all the rest. If you go onto any of the social media sites, every every team, every club is looking for friendlies probably two yeah. three weeks after the break anyway. And you have to wait another seven eight weeks, you know, to start to get any games going. But everyone is looking for games. Yeah. No one wants that much of a break. And if they were to even just cut that, something as simple as that, just cut the break down, yeah. structure it a little bit better, yeah, absolutely it'd work. And there'll be no complaints. And again, we're not sort of saying, look, if it, if there was a proper vote and it, it, it went away of the winter football, absolutely you'd, you'd have to say, look, the majority is the rule there. But that's that's not what seems to be going on here. It just seems to be very much underhanded. And it's 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 just a bit of a joke, to be honest. Yeah, it's not transparent at all, is it? Not at all. It's, it's, I'd probably say it's, it's it's absolutely typical of not only the DDSL but you know Irish football in general. Yeah. And when they're saying about having to compete with the GAA, you know, absolutely you should be competing with the GAA. Hmm. You know, cricket, competing with cricket. I think I heard one of them saying. I mean, <laughs> if you're afraid to compete with cricket, you know. Yeah. I think there's an issue like, in like have a look at yourselves, and um, they. They offer you to go up and, you know, come on up and try and do it. The whole lot, you can do it. We'll volunteer. Well, they're, they're in that job to do that job. And if they're not capable of doing it, shouldn't be in it. Yeah. Simple as mm. that. Yeah. Now, there was, there's a couple of things about summer football that 
probably made me feel that the, the the school calendar year of football was it was more ideal. One of them was obviously uh, your pre-season or start of a season. It was starting in January, February. And the problem with that was that you couldn't get pitches to play on. So you weren't really getting any sort of a, a build-up to the season. And where in a summer fo- in a summer football in a in a calendar year where you have July and August that you can, you can get those friendlies and, and build your season up. Yeah, well, I think if you were to if, if you were to cut the break down, you could start. You know, you could start the season in mid March. Yeah, and like I say, the break would sort of take away from all of that issue. I mean, we when we were doing it last year, like you're not going to say it was ideal. You know, it was rain and it was snowing the last few. Like the weather's only going to get worse by the looks of things anyway. So. Like that's that's the middle of the season if, yeah. if if they revert back to this September to May. So, you know, if you can't get kids to go on trials on a Saturday morning for an hour or two at the trial and get a few friendly games going, you're not going to get them out to have a game in the middle of the season. It's it's pretty much the same thing. If they were to cut the break back, they could start it that bit later. You know, yeah. and they could just run that bit longer as opposed to leaving themselves snookered. And, the worrying thing is, I think they're quite happy for it not to work. Yeah. Um, I think they're happy just to look at it fail. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it's very sad because if it was given a chance to grow, I mean, I know we've had great success with the senior team, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the way it's worked winter football, it's just an exceptional book. <laughs> I think there, there is, there's the, other, the other side is in the winter months, there's a lot of Polish-Lithuanian kids eastern country kids who go home for the summer and there's a big chunk of those uh, teams well I know a couple of teams in, in the club we're in that their team nearly falls apart because they don't have them for those two months so I do think that's a part of it but again there's so many pros for summer football obviously better weather to encourage kids to play yeah, football well, this, more this, midweeks pitches are always playable yeah see this is like, there are flaws with both but I mean if you're looking at, at the greater scheme of things and the bigger plan that, that's been put in place, it, it's not going to happen in two years. Yeah. You know, like it, it's not yeah. going to happen overnight. Like, like that's, that's a blink, really, two years when you're trying to put something like this in place. Um, like There are pros and there are cons, but for the, the calendar football, the pros definitely outweigh the cons. Um, there's no doubt about it. We've, we've had to tell our lads and like I say we're not doing great but we're not doing poorly either in the league and there's another couple of teams in the club that are doing quite well and you know quite competitive and it's all it's it's all for nothing now essentially because the button's going to be reset and the way it is at the minute we're not ready and I know other teams that are in the league at the moment won't be ready to start to step up and you're starting to saying right well we might have to cut these lads and stay at under 12s and we're going to lose five of our players where do they go? Yeah. yeah. So are you, what what years are you, David? We're under 12, but we start to have a mix of 2008, 2007. So if we were to go stay 2008, which would be under 12s again, we, we, we'd have to lose five or six. If we're going under 13s, which is probably what we're going to do, because all, all the lads are great that we have with us. We're very formative with every one of them. Yeah. And um, we're going to have to start to take lads that aren't, aren't ready anyway. And yeah. Could, could yeah. Small, you know. 11 in a big goal like our goalkeeper is one of the youngest players we have and uh, he's, he's going to be standing in the goal that's far too big for him you know what I mean it's yeah. too big for me you know yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's just not ideal and this is across the board this is every club that's going to have this issue and the, the DDSL I, I think they put out a statement there that that there'll be no fears they were talking about 50% discount and then you only pay 50% you know why give the discount yeah. Unless mm. they're thinking about increasing the fifty percent payback, you know. Um, but now there's no fees. I'm just it's it's it, it a coincidence that they're releasing these statements when there's when there's a few rumbles going around. Yeah. And it's it's all just to quash it and it's it's not really the way we are at the minute, we're struggling now I'd say big time. And but just they're, they're, they're worrying about losing kids and they're forcing forcing the hand of the kids really because I know some of the parents won't be happy with them playing in the bigger goals bigger pitches not ready for it not able for it yeah and you can understand it yeah yeah no definitely um, it, it, it could very well be again the DDSL were 
I suppose their hand was twisted once the, the underage League of Ireland clubs came in. So maybe they're 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 looking for a little bit of power back. But um, yeah, I think a bit of consultation wouldn't have went astray. Yeah, with, it was a bit too quick with, with clubs, and it probably was a little bit too quick because, yeah, as you said again, think. it's going to be the end of May, and leagues aren't going to be getting finished again. Yeah, so I don't think there's any talk. The same thing, and we're probably going to be talking about this in a year or two, saying we're not getting leagues finished, we're not getting games played, and. If they had to just asked everyone and sort of like if they had to just come on or you know made it even clear so we could prepare, mm. it's we we were told last week that that's it that ne- next week is our last game. Yeah, uh, we've one game left now up up until September. We're trying to organise blitzes and you know summer blitzes and like even in the winter months if there is a break or whatever, you, you have this this futsal craze now which is going on. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a great thing to sort of have that you know you could get the lads involved in that for your pre-season you know like there's, there's so many things you can do now at the minute so I don't think like the, there's always a case to be made let's say for football whereas you can sort of be argued over yeah. if, 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 if you're just sort of going for winter football all in yeah. Do you really think, just not want to stand out in the cold in December? <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it, to be honest. Just for that nightmares about it. But look, you, you will do it, you know. Like, we, we are going to do it. Look, it's good. Champions League night of a Wednesday. Oh, it's a bit cold, yeah, lads. We'll we wait till tomorrow, will we? Yeah, cold night in Stoke. Well, listen, David, hopefully they come to a bit of sense somehow and make sure that it's not just back to the same old, same old, um, like it was a few years ago, yeah. and I don't think we were all happy with that, so maybe there's like going to be some flexibility. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're just, 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 just like this to say that we're, we're just going to maybe try and ask that, like even independent of the DDSL, that everyone's going to to pull together, pro and con. Yeah. yeah. You know, so they just to get a vote from all managers, all levels, all clubs, and have it open. That's you fair. Know, just, yeah, this is what I vote for, and just... There you go. Whichever one wins, that's it. Grand, and we're, and we're still extending that open uh, invitation to the DDSL to come on and, and just clear up and iron everything out. We'll be playing in December and you'll still be waiting for it. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, David, thanks very much for your time today. No problem at all. Fair play Talk to, to you all soon. Talk bye, to bye, you. Bye. bye bye. You're listening to Liffey Sound on 96.4 FM. So yes, there you have it. Thursday, twenty third of May here in Liffey Sound, ninety six point four, and the big kick off me and Roy. Obviously, I'm Dave. I suppose I should say I'm, my name's not me. Uh, so that was David Gilligan. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. And as I said, he was fairly open and honest. As much as he likes his summer football, he, he like yeah, let's all let's all get around the table and do it. Like I found it a bit cloak and dagger the way it was done, and I suppose that's seems to be his biggest gripe. And I I don't see any harm in that. Yeah. No, the line was a little bit bad. It wasn't great. So if, yeah. you, if you haven't heard what David was saying, we'll put it up in the podcast. We'll amplify what he had to say. But yeah, I, I think it, it's fair to say that there's not enough consultation goes on. I think they definitely give you a plan A or a plan B. Go for it. And if you don't agree with either, it's tough shit. So, <laughs> you know, I, I do think there needs to be a little and bit that's more what communication. people, like FEIs, or any government bodies or state bodies or, 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 or what, what would you call them, uh, any ruling bodies, when you're just told what to do instead of a kind of, let's get a few people on the floor, on the ground and have a little chat and see what what's the pulse of the the, the, the football and schoolboy football instead of kind of just making that knee-jerk reaction. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a bit strange. Um, I just want to kick off a very, very... Now, it's only very brief because it's very, very funny. There's a relegation playoff on in Holland this weekend. Do you hear the story behind this? No. Manager Hank de Jong of the Graf Shop, the Graf Shop, are taking on Cambor. And it's relegated, but it's his last games for the Graf Shop because he's moving to Cambor no in the new season. Way. So the team who he's managing is in the relegation playoff against the team who he's about to go to. So do you win? Just like Petr Cech and Arsenal. <laughs> Petr, or he's going to do the Chelsea Academy. Yeah. Straight after. Yeah, go so ahead, sorry. he wins. He then has to go down a division to manage his team. Or if he loses, he gets to stay in the division. So uh, what a conundrum. You have to be professional. So there you go. Best you of luck, Hank de Jong. No matter what, half of them are going to hate you, half of them are going to love you. Good luck. And uh, yeah, hopefully you get to have another season and nobody lynches you. But yeah, a funny one. But yeah, I just had to get that out real quick because I just thought it was hilarious. Um, we were talking about League of Ireland the other week mm-hmm. and there seems to be games on all the time. Doesn't there? Like there yeah, seems Friday, to be a Friday, Friday then there's a Monday. Tuesday Friday or a Monday. Uh, but it's not only that and but they take a little break in the summer as well, don't they? Do they take a two-week break? Or yeah, they they take, yeah, they take a, a gap. Or more? Yeah, more than two, maybe. 
so well, that's what a, this is about. There's a big gap. So it's tough going. I think Shamrock Rovers were playing Derry the other night. That's right. That was on and, Tuesday, uh, I think. The no, Derry no, bus. no, there was a couple of matches on Monday, and then there was a game on Tuesday. That's right. And the Derry bus had some strong words to talk about the fixture congestion. Well, I think they're going to be off, absolutely. But I think you know, look, without being controversial, I've backed the games and, and said that you know it's it's great that we have so many games, but. Ultimately, it's the two biggest clubs in Ireland are playing. Two of the top clubs in Ireland are playing. Tonight here, and there's about 700 people at the game. Why is that? Because people don't have the money to continue to go to games every three days, and in some cases like ours, two days. It's just ridiculous. And now we don't have a home game for six weeks. How, how, what are we going to do? How are we going to survive? Where's the gates coming from? It's absolute madness. So, look, without putting my boot under the league and all the rest, but it's just not on. It's absolutely not on. Six weeks without a home game. Fans are paying... Every two, three days they come and support us. It's just unacceptable. It's ridiculous on the grand scheme of things. So, look, we'll see where it takes us. But in my opinion, it's just ludicrous. Boom. <laughs> That's uh, Derek Devine. He, he makes it makes a it great makes point, though. It's it's not even it's just logical, isn't it? It's a prime time Friday game where you're going to get instead of seven hundred, you're going to get maybe four four and a half thousand in Tala or. Two or three thousand up in Brandywell, yeah. and that's big bucks from seven hundred or two and a half thousand. Friday that's night football difference. is fine, and Saturday Works night football is fine. Yeah. But Monday night football, it's just odd. Like if there if there is one week where it pops yeah. up, that's fine. I'm I sure they get the crowd to get up to consistently go to watch Monday or Tuesday night football. Mm-hmm. Friday nights, but don't get me wrong. Once in a blue moon, especially in the middle of summer, it'd be nice to go to a game at two o'clock or t- at eight o'clock, and it's nice and warm, and you're sitting there. Having a bit of fresh air, like instead of sitting in the arse, that's fine. But, but you're not going to take the Friday every and week, the Monday. But every week, yeah. it's tough. Now, don't get me wrong, more often than not, you're not going to be at home on the Friday and then on the Monday. But uh, yeah, it's no, I 100% get it. And now the fact that there's going to be a bit of an international break, and as he said, no home game for six weeks, that's big bucks for Huge. League of Ireland teams. Huge. So as he said, it is ludicrous, and I do get that. And, and when they do get the, the few home games in a row as you said people just can't afford to go yeah. to them all so they're actually missing out on income for, yeah. for the year yeah, so again a government body just needs to think and work with the clubs a, a little sense. bit more maybe start two weeks earlier it's it's summer football like middle of February pitches should be okay maybe start middle. Like maybe they do start in middle of February maybe go on a little bit later into early November and stuff because the winter doesn't really kick in the way it used to this is how old we're getting we know our winter we know our weather as well don't have a break I don't get would have the summer break yeah. Yeah. If they have one game a week, surely you can cope with one game a week. Yeah, possibly. Like these, pff, yeah, I, yeah, I've no issue with that. But uh, the one thing, as he said, yeah, I'm all for it. More games, the better. But it's the financial side that's killing them, and I get that because he made a good point there because it was hilarious. I was watching the, and it was a cracking point by Robbie Fowler the other day on Sky Sports. It was like his half an hour. Do you know the way they do sometimes little specials? And he was being interviewed, and Julier, uh, Julier started to rest me for the big games. But he says I never got rested. Because he said, we literally rested the day of the game. Mm. But the days before and the days after, we trained hard. And you had to train hard, otherwise you didn't play. So he says, what's the point? What's the point in resting? Maybe go easy on the training the day before or day after. Instead of this, you have to train hard all the time. But I'm going to rest you on Saturday because you're playing on Wednesday. He said, that did my head in. And that's something that really bothers me, this resting of games. Yeah, as we said, remember, have an easier break in between. His league title winning campaign to give him the more rest. So exactly. Makes sense. And uh, I hate that crap of I'm resting you today. No, you're dropping me or whatever it is. And as he said, yeah, I never, and it was the most simplest logic in, uh, about it. Yeah, why do we train hard then? You know, and it makes perfect sense. So yeah, um, it's an unfortunate you know, situation for Derry. And as I said, it, it does make a big difference, uh, but no six games. And just a quick nod, because I had a quick look. Go on to the RTE website. It's a very interesting article about Jim McGuinness, who was the Donegal manager, All-Ireland winning uh, Donegal manager, who's now in football, in soccer. And he went to Celtic, and then he was over in Beijing, Beijing Guan, or whatever the name is. And now he's the manager with Charlotte Independence. So basically, it's the second division, the league under the MLS in America. Um, They're having a tough time. They're struggling. Uh, They've only won win in 12. But... um, He's having a bit of a tough time, but it's an interesting read. Um, they're quite open and honest about it. They're quite happy. They're not kind of sticking the knife in because of the fact that where he's coming from in the background. But they kind of say he's getting away with it because of the fact that there's a big push towards potential MLS in a year or two. So they don't really care mm-hmm. almost at the minute. But it's still interesting because I kind of forgot where he was and I forgot where he went. So He was being touted as a genius, though. When he was yeah. coming into the football, it's a bit Clive world. Woodward, isn't it? Mm. You know, yeah, he probably knows his stuff, but 
Are, do you re, are you a genius in GAA or are you a genius in general? There's difference. It's a tough one. There's a difference between having a good mind and then being able to apply that out on on a pitch or 100%. training ground. So, but listen, I hope I hope he does ah, really well. Hundred percent. He he could he could do a great job. Hmm. But, but it's a great he's, piece. He's, he's obviously earning his car now. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great piece, and uh, yeah, just have a look on the RT website. Website, website. What's a website? <laughs> website. Uh, yeah, just news coming through that. Uh, Conte Antonio Conte is set to become the Inter Milan manager and this is interesting because Juventus are without a manager at the moment and there was talk yeah that Juventus might have snuck in a there. rumor start clicking in around a few of the websites today that there's a potential uh, uh, announcement in mid-June for Pep Guardiola um, now here's this is what this is why the rumor came around June 14th is the date. Oh, it was an exact date was put out. An exact date, yeah, because they were supposed to have something on that day. I can't think think what it was. And it was cancelled. So So something that should have been on, definitely, uh, you know, something that is important. Now, is this Juventus or City? No, Juventus. Juventus. Yeah, listen, they're going to go big. I can't see Guardiola going there. Do you know who I hope doesn't go? I hope Marino doesn't get it. Yeah. Because he'll start winning trophies again. Whoever goes there is going to win. Ronaldo called for him. Mourinho mm-hmm. it, for him and for his um, stature as a manager he should go there because he's going to win he's going to win league trophies mm-hmm. end of story we all know it whoever goes there like people are going oh it's unbelievable Ronaldo now another league title it doesn't matter Aaron Ramsey's going to do the exact same thing next year It's it, and I'm, I'm not tearing him down but winning the league title with Juventus is not it's at but the bottom be, of his yeah, league they wouldn't be getting him to win the league they'd be getting him to win oh, the Champions for Europe. League but at least he'll still spit out two or three league titles and whatever and, and move on if you, if you look at Juventus and you look at Mourinho there's a lot of good professionals there so yeah. it probably would be a good fit oh, where at, you, at, you, at United you obviously seen how frustrated he was and he came across terrible in all fairness but now you're kind of seeing why he was mm. so frustrated, and I have. It's and the then same. whatever rumors of Pogba going back, that's gone. Then <laughs> that's gone. Yeah, he's not going there. There's not a chance that he actually can't see him going go anywhere. It's funny though because the Guardiola thing is: are the English press trying to kick him out of you or out of City? Are they trying to push him out? Where do I come because from they're really is, having a go. Do you know at the Mourinho three-year thing and all that. There's a bit of a similarity with Guardiola. Now he's at the three-year thing. Let's turn it. But I personally think where it's coming from. I never noticed it. Now, as we were talking about coming in, we don't kind of read the papers as much as we used to, as we both agreed. We're all on our digital platforms, which are tablets and PCs and, and phones. I don't really know if the coverage was kind of pro-Liverpool. I think City were getting probably just as much. I don't know. And I'm not saying that because I'm biased or anything like that. I don't know. I don't really hear too many people. I'd say they were doing all right. But I think for the drama and the romanticism, and being a journalist, you'd probably want Liverpool for the tur- 29 years and, oh my God, they're back. And mm. it would, that, that side of thing, they would love to write about that because it'd be more fun and the pictures would be better and the story would be better. While City are just this mammoth. Yeah, they've won another league. It's a bit boring almost. Yeah. So I'd say that's where potentially some City people, they're thinking it's biased. It's just as a media journalist, they would pro- it'd be sexier and jazzier to... A, a team who were the joint a bit like United in 94 94 it would have been a great buzz to do that story and Matt Busby in the stands same thing with Liverpool now would be King Kenny and isn't it great to see the like we're passing on and moving on I'd say that's what it is you know and I'd say that's what it is and ever since they've started to complain about it and ever since the fan kind of got into the press box in in Wembley all of a sudden the articles are about they're too big, too much money, spending their way around. It's all negative about City now all of a sudden because it's like, all right, we gave you a fair crack and we lauded how great you were. We were lauding Sterling being probably arguably one of the best players in the league and this, that. And all of a sudden, what are you having a go at for? And all of a sudden, you can see the tor- they're starting to turn the screw on them a little bit about it and they're getting a bit of negative press and they're starting to look at it and there you go. And now they're asking a few questions and he doesn't like it. No, and that's what I'm saying. Is that I think it's a Rob Harris question. Yeah, I think that's the journalist, and he's pushing them, asking them about the financial implications. Hundred like, percent. Is it unfair that I suppose? First of all, he asked them about, and the one that really got to him was Mancini was receiving money, probably to the side Uh-oh. that wasn't being accounted, me. accounted yeah. for. And he would have asked him that same Did question same? straight after the FA Cup final. So I think it enraged mm-hmm. Guardiola. Oh, 100%. But 
is that something that he's probably never had to encounter before? Oh, is he would have just been lauded. Is that something now that could start pushing them away from City? 100%. You know, because he's had it all good, he's won the treble, and now all of a sudden these questions are being like pushed Like in Germany, down. I'm sure they're fairly nice. I don't think they push too much. I'm sure they'll ask a question, are you, are you not happy with the performance? But I'd say they wouldn't be quite that bold. Now in Spain, the Madrid papers would be that bold on him, but he expects that and that's whatever. But the Catalonian papers would have been, I presume, nice on him. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't think he like it. So it could happen. There's no two ways about it. Um, the only thing that's missing is the Champions League. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Um, does he give it one more go? Possibly. I think he probably will. Yeah. Try and do a three in a row. Try and get just as many points. Maybe he could be that mad, lads. Let's get three hundred points in three seasons. Yeah. Let's try and get one hundred and two points. Let's do it. Let's score hundred. Like that's let's like really flatten him into the ground and then go. Good luck. And then he's going to Salford, I believe, <laughs> and he's going to make. <laughs> this, in League One, he's going to make this football <laughs> manager's type. Adam rise. Rooney is going to go to a different stratosphere. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, so, lo- yeah. I'd love to see him join Exeter or something like that and just imagine one of the big developments. Do you know what? I'm going down to the bottom again. Yeah. Screw this. It's boring up the top because it's interesting. Did I ever tell you the time I got Barna into the Champions <laughs> League with Rivaldo? No. We've all done it. We've all done it in our championship managers. So you do it for a change, mate. Yeah. Get some money bags. Get, uh, back them up. Although, I'd, uh, just a quick one before we go to a break. Uh, PSG's president Nasser al Khalafi has been charged with corruption today by French authorities after he paid $3.5 million to try and secure the 2017 World Championship Athletics in Doha and also the 2020 Olympics. Mm. So that could scupper a PSG a little bit in the summer. You yeah. wouldn't know. Um, and then obviously this financial fair play for, for well, obviously, I think they were looked at, but cities is interesting and it looks well, that's, like it's not going away. That's what the, the implications were with the Mancini thing and, and so forth. If, if they get banned for the year, that could be it. That could be the final nail. I'm done. I'm yeah. not, I'm, there's no way. Well, he has already said that on numerous occasions now in the last week that I have talk, had talks with the owner and chief executive and blah, blah, blah. And they have assured me and I believe them. I, I trust them. So that the money was only resting the account. Yeah. <laughs> Just one thing before we go. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Plans to expand the 2022 World Cup to 48 yeah. teams has been abandoned by FIFA. FIFA president... Uh, Infina- Infantino? Infantino. Gianni oh, Infantino. God. Say it with confidence and just say it quick. Last, uh, said last year the expansion from 32 teams could be brought forward from 2026 to 2022, but that's not going to happen. I'm glad because it'd be a bit too silly, but slightly disappointed because it would have given us a better chance to make it. I don't want the 48 teams. Oh, I would have been. I think it would have. I think it's gonna it's gonna dilute it. And it's gonna make it a poorer World Cup to be just playing two games. It's just it, you're not same feel every. It'll go too quick. Every association would have to get extra places. Yeah. So can you imagine? I think there's four or five already in CONCACAF. So you're talking Jamaicas and Trinidads and Tahiti or whoever. Oh, then be, you've got Australia or New Zealand. There'll probably be two places there. And it'd be New Zealand and Solomon Islands or Fiji or whatever. Mm. Like, it's that side of it. Europe will still be okay-ish. Um, or Salford. Maybe they'll make a country <laughs> out of Salford. <laughs> Listen, with Brexit, you never know. The People's Republic of Salford. So anyway, we've got Darren coming up after the break to talk about a little look back on some of the season and what's coming. Obviously, the big World Cup and then the Pro 14 at the weekend and then some shenanigans in Newcastle over the two weeks ago. Just say one thing for a minute, Shannon, because I'm not on the right page. One thing. Tune to Sound 96.4 FM. Welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. David, who we got on the line? Darren, are you there? Come in, caller. Should I actually... Do you know what? Hold on. Darren, are you there? I didn't turn you up. Go on, go again. Shocking. You turned me down. (laughs) Again, bugger. After all these years. I know, I know, I know. How's the farmer, man? Absolutely super, mate. Absolutely super. Looking forward to another... Weekend of rugby. A weekend of rugby, exactly. You have a friend of mine who's in the office, he's going to Glasgow, and I'm like, oh, you're going to the poor man's league uh, final. But uh, it still should be good crack for them anyway. Um, obviously, we'll quickly go... Well, we might as well kick off at the Champions Cup. As much as we had a great weekend, and it was great to be there, and the St. James's Park is what it was. <sighs> we can talk about the kick-out and the whole lot of halftime, but do you think it would have made the difference? No. Really? No, kind of looking back on it. No, I don't think it would. Hmm. Kind of watched a bit of it back. I watched the highlights back again. It was one of those things like we kind of needed everything to go perfectly. 
Yeah. And it was the fact that we could, it came down to a couple of things where every person leaving the stadium was able to say, oh, if he had to kick the ball out before half time and they hadn't got that try, it would have been a different case. It probably would have been to a certain extent, but I still think, you know what I mean? I don't think anybody had any real gripes that the best team won. Okay. Whether you like Saracens, I don't think many people do. Chatting to a lot of kind of um, English fans that had travelled up, you know, to support, you know, for from different clubs that had travelled up just for the occasion, and uh, most of them were rooting for Leinster because they just they, they don't like the way Saris have been given a kind of uh, a free reign to go in and spend what they want, despite the, the salary cap and all that kind of stuff. But uh, how did they get around very, that? Though? Um, well, they haven't technically got around it. What they did was they set up companies in the name of all the players. So Maratoje has his own thing. The Vinopola brothers have a company together. And then to set up the spirit of entrepreneurial something, I can't remember the official press release on it, uh, amongst the players, the club then donated money or invested money into those companies. Uh-huh. But they basically paid them extra wages and it is clearly stated that any money you give them whether it's an investment or backing or a loan or anything like that has to be declared but the thing is that the the RFU are so uh, reliant on Saracens and mm. the, the players that they have they're not really going to do that much about it realistically yeah yeah, so. yeah. and well, so the Man City of, of <laughs> rugby yes absolutely Absolutely, it just kind of comes down like I heard you guys talking about it there before. It, it does. It just comes down to money. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can see all the things in the world about you know what's right and what's wrong, and these are the rules. And but it it really does come down. It is all a business. You know what I mean? So there, you, 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 you say that not kicking the ball out just when, when the clock had run down at half time would have made some difference, but not in the overall scheme of things. I think people would agree with that. Um, but how? How, just on that decision not to kick it out, how ridiculous a decision was it? On a scale um, of 1 to 10, and you can include 11. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things, like, you hear the lads talking back after, and even Sexton backed, uh, backed the scrum half on it, that he was basically just saying, look, we were in the ascendancy, we thought, right, if we can put them under pressure even further in, we have a decent chance that we'll get a penalty out of them. And that okay. was how they weighed up the percentages. Okay. Now, and we'll, do you think they'll look else, back on they that? They weighed up the percentages going, that's a, a 5 to 7% chance that's going to happen. Yeah. Realistically, hoof it out, get into the, the uh, change rooms at half time, you know, being whatever, uh, 10 points or 7 points up as it was at that stage. Mm. Um, I just, you know, be happy with your job done for the first 40 minutes and then see what you can do for the second half. One of the things yeah. I found very disappointing and I don't know, again, a bit illogical, maybe they haven't got the players to do it, but it was just a wall, Saracen's wall. You weren't getting sure, anywhere. Straight. You hit it, you'd fall, you collapse, you don't get a yard, you actually probably lose yards. And I, I was surprised that, and maybe someone hasn't got the game to do it, maybe that's just what it comes down to, but I'm surprised that they didn't have maybe kicks into the corner drive them back a bit like the old school Ogara, Ogara would do just gain the yards and push them back and put them under a little bit of pressure they just kept trying to go through the wall that was never going to budge so again yeah. is that is that like I'm I'm looking at it from a, a point where I I, I, I know rugby but I, I'm, I'm not in rugby but it looks to me like that, that again is the logical decision that you should do if you can't go through it go over it not, and not and not a Gary Owen sorry but even, but even then, even without going for a Gary Owen, usually when you see that blitz defence, what you're going to look for is you're going to try to get a, two really wide passes very, very quickly and then look for a wiper kick, which would be your centre kicking to the opposite side that the 10 would have been aiming for. Mm. And that will allow you. That was something England did very well against us. They had uh, blade kicking um, against us. where They just get them into a little bit more open space and he could kick grubbers through at will, and it puts you under massive pressure. Mm. Um, the other one was just a little dink over the top, and then hope that they don't have anybody in behind, which they don't tend to play a bobby, which would, kind of is another name for your scrum half when he plays like a sweeper just about three or four metres in behind the, 
the main tackle line. Um, kicking to their back three isn't the best option in the world, usually. Yeah. Like You want to starve them off possession. If you tee it up pretty obvious where you're going to kick, especially off things like restarts and things like that, where the standard would be they kick to you, you get the ball, you kick the ball back. They drop uh, Billy Vinopolo back from the restarts. Yeah. They don't have him going up to challenge for mm. balls. They just go, look, we're playing the percentages here. Like an opening three or four moves in chess where everybody knows what the other person will do. We start here, we'll set up a rook, we'll kick back, we'll box kick or we might hit the 10 and we'll knock it back in. It's going back to big lads that are just getting an extra 20 metre head start when they start to run at you. Mm. That's the last thing you want to give those lads. <laughs> Plus, in fairness to Saracens, they do if they if you do give them space, they will have a cut at you, and they are really really difficult to play against. Which is kind of will be leading us up then to this other beast of Glasgow now at the weekend, where they're completely if you give them a, a ball and open space, they will absolutely try to rip you apart, yeah. and it'll be great to watch. But uh, it'll be it'll be. I think a case of us trying to do a series on uh, Glasgow on Saturday evening. How indicative was their semi-final result against uh, Ulster? Because the, obviously the, the score is impressive, but is it a fair reflection on just the form that they're in at the minute? It, it, it is to a certain extent. And I think it's one of those things that kind of like the way if you've watched it, if you've kind of taken in any media over after last weekend, hmm. everybody was talking about how poor Munster were against Leinster and mm. not that Leinster played very well there was very me- very little mention of how well Ross Byrne played at 10 it was all a case of oh yeah when Sexton came on this that the other Ross Byrne had an absolutely brilliant game mm. um, I think with Glasgow they played excellently they were really really good they the depth that they run from a lot of their stuff is very simple and if you compare it to what Munster were doing at certain points in the game, there was a lot of similarities when you see these big uh, forwards coming onto the ball. But the big difference is their forwards are, have a five, maybe even a 10-meter run-up, and then they just toss the ball. And they accelerate with such power and pace just as they're coming into the contact zone that they're barreling people over. Whereas if you look at the difference in the Munster game against Leinster, they're taking balls on with lads practically standing still yeah. and then trying to accelerate with a very hard yeah. defence coming up and smashing them every time. So the likes of Peter Armani makes, what, one, two metres over the game. I think CJ mm. Standard wasn't far off it. Um, but that's a similar thing to what Sean O'Brien, Sean O'Brien's net gain for uh, yards in the, the Heineken Cup final was one. He made one metre overall. You know what I mean? When you take in the amount of times he got smashed and he lost yards, you know? So, so. It, it is something that people are going to have to develop especially Irish players I think looking towards the World Cup it's something that they're going to have to develop more they're going to have to look more at the likes of Jack Conan and Josh Van der Flair like right he's not the biggest guy in the world but he works his socks off and Mm. he's got footwork before he goes into contact Keane Healy has developed it into his game over the last two or three seasons and he's been a revelation you know what I mean where he used to just be I'll hit up and then we'll have a wrestling match and I'll usually win. He's brought in this thing where I'm going to tee up that way and then I'll take a little sidestep and I'm running at space or I'm running at a weak arm. And he's a he's a totally different animal to try mm-hmm. and stop when you're hitting him with your arm as opposed to absolutely yeah. teeing him up and squaring him up with your shoulder, you know? Where is Irish rugby now at the moment compared to maybe this time last year? Do you, do you feel it's progressed, stalled, or gone backwards? Kind of depends who you're looking at. I think overall, if you take it on the provinces side, I think Leinster are probably down a little bit. Um, but when you look at the amount of players they've lost, hmm. they've, you know what I mean? They, they lost Joey Carberry, they lost Jordy Murphy. Um, they've had big injuries to the likes of Dan Levy, Josh Van der Fleer had a terrible injury and somehow managed to get himself back in contention by the end of the season which is an absolute freak of nature more than anything else Um, you look at Connacht I think Connacht haven't been too bad this season 
Um, I think they're starting to. I think Andy Friend's coaching over there has, has had a big influence on the. Yeah, exactly, rugby friend. But he's um, he's had a big influence on you know the confidence of the players, the likes of um, Jack Carty, Tom Farrell, Bundiaki. All these lads are really starting to come back into form again. Actually, they qualify for the Champions Cup this year, though. They did. Yeah, they did. so it's that all four the next they year. They kind of sacrificed their uh, Pro their Challenge Cup position. Oh. Um, they had sail in the quarterfinals and they decided that they would rest players to play in the Pro 14 the following weekend because they knew if they won the Pro 14 game they'd more or less make the uh, the part of the conference that would qualify yeah. for the Heineken Cup next year which yeah. would be awesome four, four Irish teams yeah it's impressive Cup. I think Ulster up until last week you would have said have been unbelievably good compared to the previous season like if you think of it how dour the, the yeah. situation and the mood in the camp was last year and now they're at a point now where they're becoming like they've already got Martin Moore and uh, Jordy Murphy gone up there they have uh, Johnson I think from uh, Munster a young lad who hasn't really been getting any game time he's heading up there now in the summer uh, Jack McGrath is going up there. Mm. They are picking up lads because um, they're seeing people are seeing there's a bit of a potential there. They they might be on the the cusp of actually improving and getting better. Mm. Whereas Munster, on the other hand, seem to be just going backwards, which is you know for all the slagging we give them, it is it's not great for Irish mm. rugby. And is it um, not producing enough homegrown, uh, Darren, or is it kind of? Like, what would it be uh, down to? Or there's just not a bit of a slight thinness in, the, in talent? The monster thing, I think, is a, is a, is a two-pronged thing. One, they're not producing enough players. Um, they they say a lot of it was because of how the AIL has dropped down in, in standing, and that's where they used to pluck most of their players from. Okay. That's not necessarily true either. There'd be a huge amount of their players used to come through their private school system as well. Um, the problem is now... They're not producing them to the same level. Their academy is improving, but for years, the last, you know, over the maybe two years ago, three years ago, their uh, underage sides were performing very, very badly at the underage interprovincial level. Mm. So they haven't been producing the players they wanted. There's been that emphasis on, oh, we'll get South African lads in and all this kind of stuff. But I think on the other hand, they do have quite a lot of. You know, decent standard players. And when you look at them this season in particular, there's a huge amount has been written and, and spoken about the, the lack of imagination in attack. Yeah, they yeah. offer absolutely nothing going forward. And I think a lot of it, when you see the likes of... I don't, you don't want to be ribbing on people, but like when you see the likes of uh, Alan Quinlan talking about them, and, you know, everything he talks about is all about pride and passion and... Um, confidence in the team and all these kind of there's, there's not that technical aspect and that yeah, whole idea yeah. of we're going to get 15 lads who you know just want to go out there and stand up and fight and give it all for the for the sake of Munster that, that's not enough anymore No, you know what I mean everybody does that now but now you've got to do it and be able to play rugby on top of that and I think that's where they've fallen down I think they there's obviously the big thing of Flannery and Felix Jones leaving uh, over the summer. A lot of that seems to stem from those lads going down to New Zealand, seeing how simple the training was and how high the emphasis was on basic skills and being able to do them really well at speed under pressure. Mm. And then going back and saying it to Van Graan and saying, this is what we want to do in training, this is what we want to build up. And he goes, no, we're doing, we're sticking with it set pieces we're sticking with malls we're sticking with power plays and it's just it's not working for them either mm. way and now they're in a situation where they were undercoached in the or understaffed in their coaching system where they would, usually would have three coaches underneath your head coach they only had two now they're and down to zero yeah so they, they've got to get three coaches in in probably the worst time to ever try and recruit coaches which is Anybody that's of the international standard is involved in an international team and will be away at the World Cup. 
So you're not getting anybody free for pre-season. You're not getting them for the first three, two, three months of the season. It won't be free till November. And that's the last thing you want when you're trying to rebuild a team or rebuild a, an atmosphere, or an ethos around the club. You know, that kind of way. So. Absolutely. So to round it up anyway, we've got Glasgow this weekend, the final in Celtic Park for the top 14. Leinster have enough, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I go with a yeah. Now, obviously, it's a home game in a way for Glasgow, and obviously, they would have put so much into the semi to make sure they get there. Yeah, it would. Could it be a case of it all? They they did it all in the semi. Uh, uh, I don't know. See, the thing is, if you look at Glasgow, like we only play Glasgow once this year with the, the mm. conference system. Um, we played them at a time where we'd already qualified, right, uh, to finish top of our conference. And they came over to the RDS and they gave us a bit of a hiding. Hmm. So, you know, uh, that still means a lot. You know, yeah, I mean? of course. If you're the team that wins. So I think they will be going out with absolutely zero fear um, of Leinster or thinking that, you know, that they're complete underdogs or any of that kind of stuff. They're going out there to absolutely smash Leinster and really have a cut against them, knowing that if they play their brand of rugby, they'll have a go at it. I think if Leinster can get a choke on them uh, and mm. bully them up front and possibly take a bit of the, the kind of edge and the flair off the game, if it turns out to just a, kind of like the, the Challenge Cup final where it's two teams just having a cup from anywhere and just playing Fijian style it's rugby, dangerous. I think Glasgow are in with a serious shout of winning. Um, I think if Leinster can go out and uh, just bully them, which I think they will, uh, I think that's going to be the guy. I think that will be the winner. There, Stuart Hogg though is going to be the, probably the man to watch. I have a horrible feeling that I think with this being his last game for Glasgow, uh, <laughs> before he heads off for a nice big paycheck somewhere, <laughs> that he's uh, he's going to be a man to watch. Unfortunately, just on and you have. 30, 40 seconds here. <laughs> <laughs> Just on, uh, we probably won't get to talk to you by the time the, the squads are played, are named for the World Cup. So who do you, do you think is going to be kind of a surprise in the Irish squads and out of the Irish squad for the World Cup? Um, like who's played themselves out and who's played themselves in? Carty might have played himself in um, but I I don't know I'm still not completely sold on Jack Carty yet I do like the flair but the problem about having the flair is Irish teams in general try to beat coach you. the flair out of you <laughs> so what's the point in bringing one of them where you could bring a Ross Byrne he'll do exactly what he's told and do it all perfectly well Yeah. Um, I think Sean O'Brien is running the risk if Dan Levy had had been fit I don't think Sean O'Brien would be on the plane Hmm. I think people are starting to finally twig what a lot of uh, kind of rugby people would be saying for the last three or four years, that there's just too many injuries. And yeah, you get a flash every now and again, but you need someone who's going to be there and fit and able to put in an 80-minute shift hmm. every week for five out of six weeks. You know, that kind of way. So hmm. I think you're better off. I'd, I'd love to see them go with you know some of the younger lads give them a shot, give them a run. But again, it's it's knockout rugby. So unless we have a slightly different game plan to what we've been playing this year, I can't see things getting past the quarterfinal. Yeah. If we change things up a little bit and maybe, you know, just push the envelope a little bit more with, you know, how we move teams around, how we, you know, try and open teams up a little bit more imagination, I, I think semi-final, final then after. Okay. There... Bang on 30 seconds. Well <laughs> uh, no, listen, thanks for that because uh, I suppose that'll be our rugby till till that actually comes around. Probably, so yeah. um, I think the, the, the warm-up games kick off around late July, start of August, and it starts, yeah. go, it starts going up. We play actually. Wales 44 times or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, listen, it's going to be really interesting. We'll have you back on then to uh, to just analyse what way that Absolutely. could go for us. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that we were enthusiastic in the autumn and we're a little bit flatter now probably little, little just a little bit but uh, listen we'll talk to you then there thanks for coming back on again no problem lad pleasure is that au revoir take it easy mate that's it Jim.
Now, so there you have it. That was Darren on about the rugby and stuff like that. So just to round it up, um, this weekend you have the top 14, championship are going to be on as well. And then obviously next Thursday, we're obviously going to be having a little talk about a little tournament called the European Champions League, um, whether you like it or not. And the Europa League night before. <laughs> the Europa League night before. Henrik Mkhitaryan, uh, obviously not going, bit no. of a strange one. Uh, bit weird going, it's okay, trust us, you will be fine. It was a bit eerie. Yeah. But I believe that it wasn't just that country it was his own country that he was afraid of as well. I think people were exactly. Him it's a bigger so picture, and apparently he had a really good chat with the family and the whole. Lot. And I think they said, "You know what? For your own benefit, don't bother." So yeah, that's on next Wednesday. So keep an eye on that. It's in Baku and Azerbaijan, and then obviously we'll have uh, the little old uh, tournament that is the well Champions League and the Women's World Cup will be coming up the week after. Obviously, we'll have a little look into and that. next week. And who do we have on? I don't know. Connor Clifford. <laughs> Same. Pats. I nearly said the other guy who's on yeah. the week after. Anyway, Connor, Connor Clifford. Clifford St. Pat's next week so he'll talk to us all about that plus his own career okay we'll talk to you next week no say that one word again one thing